Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by this week's message as we all live to bring more of heaven to earth. So I want to start right in this because I've got quite a lot to share. I'm going to try to finish it within an hour. If I don't, then we'll pick it up again um, again later. Uh, next week, we have a special um, service that we're planning for 4th of July. We're going to have a few special um, people come up and pray and um, just pray for peace in our nation and around the world. Good news, right? All right, so I'm going to get right into this. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy... uh, By the way, I'm going to talk pretty fast in this message. So you can listen to the podcast, you can go to our YouTube channel, watch the video again, you can go on Facebook Live, watch it again if you miss anything. It's going to be there. But I encourage you to do this because I have, I have rather, um, I, would, I would have to say it's an authentic, original type of um, message. I'm not saying that um, I'm the only one that caught this, but God really revealed this to me some years ago about living from heaven. And it's a message that you're going to hear very few preachers preach on Sunday morning to their congregation, mostly because there's not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of understanding around it. Not just that, it's very hard to communicate this topic because this topic in the Greek is so different than what the English translations are going to uh, reveal. And so I really just want to encourage you guys that the reason that I'm going with this um, message on uh, seated with Christ in heavenly places, the reason I'm going with this is because I believe that God has revelation intended for this world to come through the church from heavenly places. I think that a lot of the industry that we have today, a lot of the uh, uh, modern industry, obviously back even in the um, 1700s when industrial um, sites started uh, becoming moving, we started moving more industrial, making factory-type items, and the pollution was terrible. I don't know if you've ever studied your history, but the pollution was horrible. The factories were just throwing smoke up into the air, dumping everything into the rivers and the waters, and uh, that, that consisted for a couple hundred years. And I remember even, I don't know how many of you remember the Nashua River in the um, late 70s. Anybody remember what that used to smell like? Pretty rough. And you'd drive by it and it would smell like a sewer factory, you know. And, and you'd see red dye floating down the river and blue dye and various colors that were just being dumped into the Nashua. Yeah. And... Um, I, I feel like a lot of the industrial revolution that, that we have uh, today has come from an earthly plane of revelation. And I think that it's actually damaged a lot of the earth. Uh, now, I'm not, going to, I'm, I'm not going to go into all the political aspects of this and ramifications of what I'm going to be saying, but I do believe that heaven has the best intention for earth and there is a scheme of the enemy that has the worst intention for the earth. And if our enemy, uh, Satan, can do anything to try to destroy the earth, he's going he's to give that revelation to man. And I believe that God has the opposite. He has the opposite foundation in a heavenly perspective. He's going to give revelation to men that is going to beautify the earth and build the earth up. 
I'm not opposed to progress and industry. I just want to, to say that right out. But I do believe that we have missed something because we bought into an earthly revelation of industry rather than a heavenly revelation of industry. And I don't know what that looks like, and I'm not even going to begin to try to unpackage any of that. I am just saying this because I believe that the church has been sitting on the revelation, has been sitting on a promise to do great things for the kingdom of God. What, David? Are you working on that or what? David sent me a text this morning. He goes, the new mic came in. I assure you, I stood in front of the speakers and there's no feedback whatsoever. I get up here and start talking and we give feedback. So I'll try to adjust my mic a little bit so it's not pointing up into the air. How's that, Dave? Is that better? Okay, good. Uh, So uh, this this is where we're going with this. I'm excited about this message. and, And yet at the same time, I'm a little... I'm, I'm a little nervous about this message because this message could easily be misunderstood, misconstrued, and it could go off into all sorts of tangents that I have no intention of wanting it to go off into. And I don't believe God ever had that intention either. But I do believe that there is this limitation that we've placed on the revelation of our seated with Christ in heavenly places. We've placed some sort of a limitation on it. We're going to get into that right now. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy. Do you think God's poor in mercy or rich in mercy? Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us. In Christ Jesus, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. All right, so right off the bat, we see this. We have been made to sit with him in heavenly places. And it's like, in our minds, that's like, okay, well, we we understand that. I don't know, how do we understand that? Like a spiritual kind of concept, you know, like, yes, we're with him in spirit, but but we're still here on earth, right? And we understand that in a way like, okay, well, yes, when when these bodies finally die, then we're going to go to heaven, and then, yes, we'll be seated with him in heavenly places, but... This is talking, in the, the context of this passage, is talking about after Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, seated next to his Father, and we were seated with him. We don't have like these little separate thrones next to him. We have been seated with him in heavenly places. Now, this is like a dual citizenship. It's like I believe how Jesus lived when he walked the earth. So he would like, he would hear the Father from heaven. Many times we, we dealt with that series in the prayer uh, series where he'd get away just to be by, uh, by himself with the Lord. And he would meet with Father. And Father would give him revelation, you know, assignments. The New, New Testament says, especially in the Gospel of John, that anything that Jesus did, he did not do it on his own. But he did it by revelation that came from the Father. And so he would go away and he'd get this revelation from Father. You know? So imagine the revelation he gets about, um, you know, you know he's, talking with, he's talking with his father. And, and the father says, okay, 
son, today um, you're going to be speaking in a house and uh, you're going to start feeling dust fall all over your head. And there's going to be straw and dirt and dust. And then some friends of a paralytic are going to lower him through the ceiling. And you're going to forgive him of his sins first. And then you're going to heal him. Jesus, that sounds like a good assignment, right? And this is how he lived. He lived from heaven and he walked on earth. He had a dual citizenship. He was, he was not singular in just being a human. He, he was able to move into the heavenly places and move upon earth and bring heaven to earth. We're going to show this a little bit further on in scripture. But before we do, I just want to be able to say that the New Testament is very clear that we are saved by grace through Jesus Christ and not by our position with seated in heavenly places. This is all by grace, okay? And everything that I'm going to be teaching today is going to need to be, it's going to need to be received on a level of faith. If you're sitting there and trying to work your cranium to get this, it's going to throw you into all sorts of tizzies. Uh, you, you, you could leave here today and you could be thinking, man, he's a false teacher or a false prophet or whatever, you know. And a lot of times that's what the body of Christ does with people that bring uh, revelation. And it's, if it's outside the box, you know, they, they get worried, they get concerned. Oh my gosh, he's starting to teach us weird stuff. But I, I, I'm going to unpack this today so that you can understand that there has been hidden a mystery within the scriptures, within the New Testament. There was a mystery that was hidden about our being seated with Christ in heavenly places and then us affecting the earth through heaven's revelation. And I believe that God has revealed this mystery. And I believe that he revealed it thousands of years ago. But, but years of uh, traditions or man's schemes or not understanding. And then we've got English translations that come in. And they're translating the Greek differently into a more understandable English form for the people that are reading the English. And I really do believe that in this particular instance with seated to Christ in heavenly places... That in particular has been the case, that, they, that the translators were looking at what the Greek was saying, and they were just like, well, how can we even say this in English? How can we even begin to put this in without throwing a tizzy and without getting people all uh, concerned and, and worried? And I believe there's a good heart in that. But at the same time, you remember when uh, Paul wrote in the New Testament, he said, I know of a man who once uh, ascended into heaven, and he had visions of heaven, and he saw things, and things that were so far beyond the scope of natural that they can't even be recorded and put down, because it would confuse everybody. No one would quite get it, and I believe that's where I want to go today. I want to confuse everybody so nobody can quite get it. No, it's not that. I want to be able to unpack something for you today so that you can establish something that God might have a better plan for this earth than how this earth is functioning. And that there are people sitting in this room right now who, if we grab a hold and receive the promises that God has given to us, who can actually produce change on the earth so that environment can change, so that the monetary systems can change, so that there can be a change all across the board, family life, uh, schools, uh, you know, culture, 
can be changed by heaven. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, how many, how many realize that we're sitting on something that is so vast and so big and we've limited it to one dimension? All right. All right, Superman. I've always loved Superman as a kid, right? I mean, I used to get every comic book that was released on Superman. I don't know how many of you can relate to this because there aren't very many comic books anymore. You can go into comic stores and find some of the old comic books and pay a lot more money than what we paid as kids. But every time there was a new episode of Superman, I would get it. And one of the things I love about Superman stories is that these superheroes, uh, there's just something about the good guys clobbering the bad guys. You know what I mean? It's just like you're reading this thing and you're just going, you just know, man, Superman's going to win the day. He's going to get it, right? And they're going to be villains in this story. And these villains, oh man, they're bad. They are bad, you know? And like you're reading it and, and the suspense is building in the story as you're watching the superhero struggle to even save, stay alive because the villain has found a weakness in the superhero, especially in Superman. Villain found a weakness in Superman. And he monopolized on that weakness, right? What is it? Anybody know? Kryptonite. Exactly. And it's like plant kryptonite all over the place. So Superman loses his strength, right? And so I love I love this story because you're reading in the in the books, you know, and the suspense is building. You're like watching this villain win. He's like winning. Superman is like I almost said Samson. Superman. <laughs> Superman is like, he's not doing good, right? He's like becoming the weakling of all time. He's, he's, he's near death. And then suddenly, something happens within Superman. And he realizes, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This doesn't have to happen to me. And he repositions himself away from that thing that is making him weak. And he becomes strong and clobbers the villain and saves the day, right? Saves the day. And it happens every time. And that, right? You know, you're just right when you're getting there and you're like going, oh, he's losing. What's going to happen? He turns it around and he wins. And I think a lot like superheroes, we carry an identity with Christ that is from another kingdom. Not the kingdom of this earth, but the kingdom of heaven. And we have this in us. It's packaged inside of us. Our identity is that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That is our identity. Woohoo! Second Corinthians 5, 6 says that we walk by faith, not by sight. Now faith is heavenly and is directly linked to our Father in heaven. The challenge for all believers is to believe that we live and move and have our being in him. Where is he? In heaven. Where are we seated? With him. So we live, we move, we have our being from a heavenly perspective rather than an earthly perspective. And this is our calling. This is our promise. This is like our promised land, so to speak. And, and you know, we, we might... I don't want to get ahead of myself, okay? So I'll, I'll get back to this in just a minute. But with him, we live and move, however, being a heavenly perspective. Our physical bodies were never intended to keep us separated from God. I, I have to be very clear about this. Our physical bodies were never created to keep us separated from God. They were created in the image of God. 
which is a direct connection through our physical bodies. Now, this is something that the church doesn't like to talk about. As a matter of fact, there's a dualism in, in, in a lot of the church where the body is evil, the body is sin. I've sat under prophetic teachings where the soul is, the soul is gray. It doesn't really have the, it doesn't have the ability to produce anything beneficial to the spirit or the body. It's in a gray zone and the enemy can hit the soul and cause the soul to get all kind of whacked out because of sin and, and mess us all up. And okay, so I'm not saying that. I don't agree with that. I don't believe that. I don't even adhere to that. I believe that yes, the soul can get confusing. I have no question. Uh, understanding that, but I do believe that we are created in the image of God, and that in the image of God, we have the ability to stay connected to God from a heavenly place, and to be able to walk on this earth with these physical bodies, and be able to affect how earth functions through these physical bodies. In other words, if the natural mind becomes infused with heavenly revelation, it can produce natural reactions, which will cause good for this earth, and will cause good for uh, uh, medical science and good for science in general. I believe, like Jonathan sitting over here as a scientist, I believe this guy is so infused with the Spirit of God that he's going to come up with something in the scientific realm that is going to blow the minds of natural scientists. And I believe that's the case for a lot of you. you you're in workplaces where if you get a heavenly revelation about your workplace, don't go to your boss and try to change him. Just pray that thing through and say, Lord, let's see this happen here. Let's, let's bring it here. How do you want me to function? How do you want to use me in this capacity so that I can be a part of bringing this revelation to the workplace? Same thing in schools, same things in our culture, in our towns, in our governments, in the political arena. I mean, wouldn't it be great if the political arena was infused with heavenly revelation? I mean, wouldn't that be great? And see, this is the thing. The church has the capability and the revelation and the promise to be able to take this and bring it to our world. And most of us just think that we're only good functioning on Sunday morning in church. Like this is this, this about our being seated in the heavenly places. It's not just on Sunday morning, folks. I, I love Sunday mornings. I love what Sunday mornings produce. I love the corporate worship. I love the presence of God, how the presence of God shows up. You know why the presence of God shows up a lot stronger in Sunday morning in worship? It's because you come in and carry him with you. Because you are seated in heavenly places. It's almost as if in the book of Revelation where it shows that before the throne of God, there's a multitude of People who are praising God, calling out holy, 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 and worshiping Him. And I just imagine that's just the most angelic sound and the most powerful form of worship that we can possibly have. Well, guess what? We've been seated in heavenly places and we get to live that in our worship times. But it's not just limited to Sunday morning. It's all the time. Okay, our physical bodies were never created to separate us from God. And, uh, and let me tell you, our physical bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit makes our bodies regenerated with a glory that far surpasses the attempts of villains trying to put us out. We might not feel like superheroes, but we are identified with Christ and walk by that faith, not by how we feel. In fact, if we don't feel like superheroes, it's probably, uh, it's probably a good chance that, that there's a villain at work. 
And it wouldn't surprise me if he's got some kryptonite booby traps all over the place for us. <laughs> Just, you know, you know, watch how you step here. Romans chapter 5 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as though one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Adam brought death, Jesus brings life. Adam brought death, Jesus brings life. Uh, who do we want to associate with? The man of death or the man of heaven? Right? It's like we associate with the man of heaven, we, we gain life, we get life. And the sooner that we learn what has been promised to us, the sooner that we can receive it by faith and not by our feelings. Because we do walk by faith, not by our feelings. If we walk by only our feelings, we're in trouble. It's like if you're like if 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 you're like on some spiritual high to get a spiritual feeling, and that's what you live for, that spiritual feeling, there's gonna be a moment in time when you're not gonna have that spiritual feeling and you're gonna be wondering what's happening. Where, where is God? Where, where, have I done something wrong? Have I offended him? Is something not working right anymore? Maybe it's the place I'm I'm in. Maybe Everything's changing inside there, and it's no longer the same. Villains, they love that kind of stuff. Villains just love planting those kind of things in our heads because it pulls us away from our identity of being seated with Christ in heavenly places. How many of you know in heavenly places there's no problems? <laughs> right? I mean, it's a, God's not sitting on his throne worried. And Jesus isn't sitting there going, oh no, Dad, what are we going to do? All right, well, well, what's going to happen here? This is really, this COVID thing has screwed up the earth. What are we going to do about COVID, Father? What are we going to do? We're in trouble. I like something Steve Backman uh, writes in his book. By the way, if you have not got the uh, um, uh, renewing your, your mind of mindsets, what's it called? Victorious. Victorious mindsets, which I've been reading and. If you, haven't, if you haven't gotten that book, I encourage you to read it. Take it as a daily devotional. Read a section, just one, four or five pages a day, and, and do that thing. It is so powerful. But he writes in his book about how he was, uh, in, in the early days of renewal, back in the early 90s, he was involved in the church, and, and they had an evangelist came in, and everybody was falling on the floor laughing. And any of you that were in the 90s know about this and remember this, and and it, it, Steve was one of those rock guys, right? It's like all the powerful guys would pray over him and he'd just stand there. Nothing would be happening. <laughs> and he says, I remember during that time hearing in my head this big lie. And this is what the lie said. And I think it's so funny just the way he writes it because I can see Steve having this lie told to him. He's standing there, bodies are laying all around him, falling all over the place, obviously showing signs of the presence of the Lord. And he's standing there, nothing's happening to him, and he hears, there's something the matter with you. That's the lie he hears. There's something the matter with you. As a matter of fact, there's something really the matter with you. In fact, there's something so wrong with you, you cannot even receive from God. What is the matter with you? And you know, this is happening all around him. He's got this question going on in his mind, like, I just, Man, yeah, there is something wrong with me. Look at what, and I'm 
the only one standing. He said that the harder that he tried to bring about a change in his life, the more frustrated he got. And the more he heard that lie, there is something really wrong with you. So he went to the Lord about it and said, what's wrong with me? <laughs> I mean, there must be something wrong with me because it's like, look at me here, you know? He goes to the Lord about it and the Lord just says, no, Steve, there's nothing wrong with you. You're okay. You just need to rest in me. You need to take what I'm giving you and don't worry about what I'm giving others. He said that was some of the best advice for him because he could just rest knowing that we're all different. We're all going to have different feelings. But when it comes to our life as a believer, we all need to walk by faith. And so he just moved into a place of trust, and guess what? He got blessed and blasted, and and the rest is history, because now he's like Mr. Joy King of the world. (laughs) It gets everybody happy and infused with joy. Okay, I have time. I'm actually doing really quite well. I still have a lot of content, but I'm going to stick as much as I can with my notes from this point on. 2 Corinthians 5, 6-8 says, So... We are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Now, you have to listen to this. This is the English translation. So that we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Now, that passage usually gets preached at funerals. We'll hear this a lot at funerals. You know, well, Joe, he's now present with the Lord, his body was holding him back, he was absent, now he's present, right? And this is the, the kind of thing that we've been taught over and over and over again in church. You know, we're, we're here in these bodies on earth, just struggling to get by the best we can, waiting for the trumpet to blow so we can go. That's our life, right? Here's pretty much it. I mean, that, doesn't that make sense, right? I mean, everybody looks at us sitting in church going, what a waste of time, why even bother? You know, everybody looks at us, Christians, we've hardly made any change in the world, you know. There's still problems everywhere, drug addicts, uh, alcohol, rape, uh, sexual stuff going on all over the place. There's all these problems in politics, corruption, monetary uh, money, money problems. There's all these problems, 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 problems. And here we are at the church, oh, hallelujah, on Sunday morning, right? And it's like the world just looks on and goes, well, and I'm just saying there's, there's got to be something more. There's got to be something more. I, I just don't believe it was really God's intent for us to just come have a good time together on Sunday morning and leave the world unchanged. I believe it's intent for us to come together on Sunday morning, have a good time, and change the world. It's different. It's not the same. It's not a half full thing. It's different. We are change agents in this world. We have dual citizenship. We're here on earth. We're seated in heavens. So, I mean, it, it, a lot of the teaching of the church just makes it sound like these awful bodies have been hindering us from entering heaven. We just have to make do till we die to get to heaven. 
where then we're going to be given a new and glorified body. Has anybody ever wondered, like, what do we need a new glorified body in heaven for? I would think it would be better to have a new glorified body here on earth so that people can, like, go, whoa, what? What is that? I got a revelation in 2007, and, and I was waiting for the Lord, and it was actually a vision that I saw. I was actually doing some research on that time, doing some uh, study in the scriptures about the glorification, about comparing with the old uh, covenant glory, comparing the new covenant glory to the old covenant glory, and you see that in Hebrews chapter 11, various other places in Corinthians. And I, I got this revelation that, you know, I saw this vision, I saw believers getting so lit up by the presence of God, so lit up by the Holy Spirit, that they had light beams coming out of their fingertips. You just, like, the power of God was coming out of our bodies. I think we've seen this, okay? You, you have to understand, some of you are just coming into uh, believing, but I've been a part of the church for a long, long time. Uh, I, I tell everybody, I think I was born on the front pew, and I think I lived in church more than I lived outside of church back in those days. But uh, back then, if, if you saw somebody get healed, it was like one in 10,000. You just didn't see it. Maybe because it wasn't taught so much. But it was very, very rare to see any, any form of healing. Catherine Coleman comes on the scenes, right? And as Catherine Coleman comes on the scenes, some healings start exploding within the church. As soon as healings start exploding in the church, other sectors of the church, other members of the family, siblings of the Christian family, so to speak, started getting all whacked out saying she was a false prophet, a false teacher, that she, she was healing people from the devil. The devil was causing her to heal people. And I'm like a kid going, that's confusing to me. Because I read the Bible and I read Jesus healed people, not the devil. So I got real confused about that. And they were, they, they were causing this confusion because Catherine Coleman was a charismatic. She was ministering to Catholics, Lutherans, whoever. It didn't matter. If you were a human, you got ministered to by Catherine Coleman. And chances were real good if you didn't just fall backward, you'd fall backward and get healed as you came up. And yet still, the church, after Catherine Coleman, the church still reverted back into a lethargic state where hardly any healings were taking place, hardly any signs and wonders. And we started coming into the, the healing realm back around the late uh, 1900s into 2000. We started coming into that realm to where we, we just started, you know, my, my wife and I both and several in the church, we were pushing, pushing, pushing. We felt like we were pushing a big boulder up the hill. You know, that, that boulder, you know, we'd make a little bit of progress, a scattering of healing here or there, you know, since we started in 1988, a little bit of progress, you know, but we felt like we were pushing this thing uphill and we'd, what would happen is we'd see a healing and then it would feel like the boulder was starting to come back on us. Talk about villains, right? So we just pressed through because we had a revelation is Jesus did this. He told his followers, you will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. He never taught on what to do if they don't recover because he didn't have that teaching in his file. We've got that now. Well, what to do if they don't recover? Jesus never taught that. He never taught on unanswered prayer. 
because he never had an unanswered prayer. And he told his followers, ask anything in my name, it's going to be done for you. Done for you. All right. So here we are, right? We're, we're seeing this in this English translation. We're seeing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. I'm sorry, but that English translation just makes it seem like we have no connection with the Lord at all. Just suffer, get through it. Someday you'll get a glorified body. Wait till that happens. But the Greek translation does not read like that. In fact, the Greek translation confirms that we are connected to Christ in the heavenly location. And this is what verse 6, verse 6, did I just say verse 6? Verse 6. They say you should always mention sex on a Sunday morning. It gets everybody's attention. Verse 6. We... We are confident knowing that while we are present in the body, we live abroad for the Lord. That's the Greek. We live abroad for the Lord, not absent from the Lord. I'd say that's quite a different understanding. That's like, you can see why the translators are having a hard time. Well, this, what does this mean? Abroad for the Lord. How can we live abroad for the Lord? Now, I love my teaching wife, my teaching wife, yes, my wife, Lynn, who teaches on that word abroad, which means spacious. So you actually hear this like we are present in the body. We live spaciously for the Lord. Different. Okay. And verse 8, the English translators really had a really hard time with verse 8. And this is what it says in the Greek. We are confident and are pleased rather to live abroad out of the body to be at home in the Lord. Did you guys, are you, are you, you want me to read it again? Verse 8, we are confident and are pleased rather to live abroad out of the body and to be at home in the Lord. You see why the English translator had a hard time? You have to kind of be gracious to him because it's like, well, how are we going to say this? And I believe that the Greek actually presents a dual citizenship. It presents a constant connection to heaven The English presents a separation by using the word absent instead of in a spacious place. We are citizens of heaven. We are living abroad, out of the body, here for the Lord, as ambassadors for Christ. I think that Jesus lived like this. I think this is how he heard and saw what the Father was doing, how he connected with heaven and how he walked on earth to bring the change here to earth. And we have in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, it says, As is the heavenly man, so are we. Uh, One of the reasons that I was hesitant to bring this message this morning is because I could get in a lot of trouble theologically with whoever who might hear this and they want to start casting stones. But I'm at the point where I'm just saying, I, I, I don't really want stones hurled at me. 
But if they're going to hurl, hurl away. Because I've caught a picture of what the Lord is trying to reveal to his church. And that picture is to say, you're more than just a Sunday morning audience. You are saints of the Most High God, seated with him in heavenly places to effect a change here on this earth. You see someone that needs a healing, you get to lay your hands on the sick and the sick get to get healed. You see some political mess that's there in the politics, you get to make a difference instead of just sitting there talking about it and regurgitating all your information on somebody else. You get to actually make a change. You get to bring change about. You're change agents, not regurgitators. You and I get to make a difference. I look around. I see, you're all in different places, right? I mean, I look over here at Rachel. Rachel's an amazing hairstylist. If you don't have a chance, if you don't have a good hairstylist, connect with Rachel. Rachel, raise your hand so everyone can see you. A little advertisement for Rachel. She's amazing. Absolutely incredible. I started going to her several months ago. She's so forgiving. I forgot a couple of appointments, and she was good. Go ahead and come on. We'll take you two weeks later or whatever, you know. But... Rachel is in this culture that focuses mostly on the physical. You know, it's on the hair, it's on uh, beautifying yourselves. And, and she is able to, I was talking with her and I said, you must hear a lot of interesting conversations in this chair, huh? She goes, oh yes, there's a lot of interesting conversations that happen here. And she's in this culture affecting change. Everybody loves her in the shop. Nobody has a hard time with Rachel. She's so easygoing and so lovable and so likable. I go in there and there's people, you know, thankfully we're past the um, having to go in when nobody else can be in the salon, you know, thankfully we got past that. And so you go in there and there's her boss just praising Rachel. You know, let me tell you, you know, a good sign that someone's living from a heavenly place is when your boss likes you. When your boss likes you, that's a good sign. You're, 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 you're doing things... That, that's affecting change in the earth. And I'm saying that we, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, have limited our understanding. They've been limited by others, but we at the same time have limited our understanding. I guarantee you, when you wake up in the morning tomorrow, you're not going to, the first thought to your mind, unless now because I'm saying it, it will come to you, the first thought in your mind isn't going to be, I'm in heaven. You're probably going to wake up, need a coffee or whatever, right? And it's like we have limited our physical activities to an earthly plane. And it's really hard to explain this. But I believe that what Paul was saying is that these bodies of ours are created to be instruments of worship. Romans chapter 12. Created to be instruments of worship, to glorify God, and to bring beauty to his name, and to bring beauty to this earth. Many years ago, I'm still doing good. I might run a little over today. How many will give me five minutes after 12? 10 minutes after 12, <laughs> 20 minutes of going once, going twice. Oh, I see some concerned faces already. Okay, all right. Um, many years ago, I met Sheila McSherry. Sheila was an incredible, powerful woman of God that we had here at the church. 
in the midst of renewal, and she was incredible. This lady, I, I'm telling you, I think, you talk about superheroes. She had, she had a superpower with her finger. Okay, how many saw the Far Side cartoon recently on Facebook of the um, Texorcist? The Texorcist. <laughs> oh, I just, I'm already in it now. I'm in deep. So, this little cartoon, right? It's just a cartoon. It's not color, thankfully. But here's uh, here's the girl in the Exorcist. You know, her head is backwards. She's got puke on her pillow. And she's, you know, looking all a wreck, you know, like, you know, she's demon-possessed and everything. This, this is the movie, okay? We're not talking real life. And this is a little cartoon about the, the movie, not real life. And so there's the Texorcist with this big 10-gallon hat. He's got his sidearms like this. And he looks at the girl and says, I said get! That's a Texas. That's how they do it in Texas. I said get. That's all the cartoon is. It's called the Texorcist. Sheila, she was like that. She she would point her finger at at uh you know, and, and she always I always said, Sheila, why do you always point your finger? And she said, I'm not pointing at the person. I'm pointing at what's affecting their life. I'm pointing at the villain that's affecting them. And they would get set free. We had amazing. Sheila did an amazing. Martha is amazing as well at deliverance. She's done some great deliverances here. And she tutored under, mentored under Sheila. Sheila was very powerful. And I, uh, she came here um, from Georgia. She came up here during renewal. She's a very humble woman, very powerful woman. A woman of power, woman of prayer. And she just... I'm telling you, she's so sweet to talk to. You just would never think that Sheila is like this wrecking ball in the demonic kingdom realm. You know, and, and you just have a regular conversation, you know, and, and she'd go to lift the finger. I'd be having this regular conversation. And she'd go to lift the finger, and I'd go, oh, watch where you're pointing that thing. <laughs> and she tells me, she told me this story one time when she was down in Georgia, the Georgia church she was at, attending. And she said she was listening to her pastor speak a message when suddenly she was suddenly preaching in a different language in a room filled with Muslims. And they all raised their hand to accept Jesus. So she's sitting in Georgia. She gets a vision or whatever it is. I have no idea what what this is. She gets this vision. She's suddenly no longer in the church in her in her own mind. Her body's still there. But she's no longer there. She's all of a sudden preaching in this Muslim room. Uh, must have been like 60 to 70 people. Now, this is a weird story. I hope you guys hang with me on this because I still don't understand all of this story. She's preaching away. The, the entire room raised their hands to accept Christ. And then she's back in the church and her pastor's standing right in front of her saying, Sheila, what's going on? So I don't know if she was actually preaching out loud from her seat in this room or what that I don't know she didn't know she was just kind of like out of it she comes to and there's a pastor standing in front of her what's going on and she just looks at it many of you will understand this when I tell you about this she just she's so drunk in the Holy Spirit she can't even talk right she's like just inebriated on the Holy Spirit and she can't explain it to him until later on and she's telling me this story that um, two weeks later from that date she was listening to a Christian radio station. 
And as she's listening to this evangelist who's being interviewed, she's driving down the road and she's hearing this, uh, she's hearing this evangelist talk about this room of Muslims, filled with Muslims. And he said, he starts describing the room. He describes the color, the size. He starts describing all the people. And Sheila's going, she's like getting this memory triggered in her, right? From listening to this guy on the radio. And then he says, and then he says, something happened to me. It's never happened to me before, ever in my life. He said, I, I was standing there and I was just like teaching these Muslims, doing like a expository teaching. When all of a sudden, it was like the hair stood up on my end of my arms. And he goes, I started like, I started like preaching to these people. I started preaching salvation to these people. Like I never preached salvation before. And he said, it was a very fast message. I asked if anybody wanted to receive Christ. Every single hand of these Muslims went up in the room. And he says, to this day, I don't understand what happened. And she was driving down the road hearing this guy on the radio. She goes, I know what happened. I know what happened. Now, I don't know how it happened, and she didn't know how it happened. But she understood it to be a thing of the Spirit. And a thing where somehow she connected in the heavenly place and made an effect being in two places at the same time, making an effect in both places. I'm telling you, I I just feel like the church has limited the supernatural for way too long. Out of fear of what others might think of it. And I just finally decided to break through the bridge today and just say, you know what? This has got to, this has got to be said. Rather than these bodies living absent from the Lord, but these bodies living abroad in a spacious place for the Lord, living in Him, And going where he wants us to go. I talked with a a prophet many years ago, Dick Joyce, who we had here before. And Dick said it was at a time earlier on in his ministry. And uh, Dick was an incredible prophet. He's just a great, great speaker. And he said it was a time earlier on in his ministry. And he was traveling. He was doing some meetings. And he said, you know, he basically said, Lord, I want, to, I want to experience something different in you. I, just, I want something more powerful. I, he's a prophet, and he's a very good prophet, accurate words of knowledge, very accurate guy. He goes, I just want to experience something different. And he said he's laying in his hotel bed, and all of a sudden, he looked down upon his body from his hotel room. So he, he said his body was off of the bed, but his spirit was... Look, this is so weird. I can't believe I'm saying this, but... His spirit was looking down on his body. His body was levitated off of the bed. And he immediately said, no, this is new age. And boom, he was back in the bed. He was back in the bed, back in his body. And then he said, shoot. (laughs) I think I just missed something. And he told me this years later. And he said, I regret saying this to that day. It was in fear that I said it, and I regret saying it, because I feel like I cut something off that the Lord wanted to do in me and show me, and I cut him short, because he limited the supernatural in his own mind. And I believe we can do this. I believe I've done it. I believe we can all do it. And like I say, I don't know how that went down, and I don't know how Sheila's thing went down, but it went down, and if we have faith in the Lord and just trust that the Lord is in this, 
And that his presence is in this. And this is what he has intended for us. Not just to take up human space on the earth until we die and go to heaven. But he's intended for us to be powerful change agents of the earth. So don't limit God to a human paradigm, a single dimension that only knows what can be seen and experienced in the natural environment. He's a lot bigger than that. He's a lot more. And then I'm going to go into this story, and we are going to finish this message today. That's kind of, I'm excited about that. Hope you are. Numbers chapter 13, a very familiar story to all of us. Numbers chapter 13, now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. And they brought back word of the land. And then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell in the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. And then Caleb quieted the people before the Lord and said, let us go up at once. And take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. You know what I believe? I believe Caleb tapped into a heavenly place. I believe in this moment of time, when everybody else is filled with all the excuses of why they can't do something that God has told them to do, Caleb taps into the heavenly places and says, We can do this. Let us go. All the... Everybody else is still making excuses. They're still like, my excuse is bigger than God. I saw those giants. Them's real people over there. They're big boys. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes. Those guys were fierce. They had fangs coming down their mouth. Fangs coming up the bottom of their mouth. They had horns growing out of their ears. One guy had a horn right in the middle of his forehead. Hair was long and stringy. These guys smelled like rotten bear meat. Tough. Tough buggers. Their arms were as thick as our bodies. You should have seen the armor they had. Must have weighed two tons. We can't do this. They're so much greater than we are. Such a big problem. I can hear the villain say, there's something wrong with you guys if you think you can take that land. Numbers chapter 14. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephthah who were among those who had spied out the land tore their clothes and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle and meeting before all the children of Israel. Now, oh. I read this story and I've read it many, many, many times. 
And because it happened so long ago, right, there's not much reality to it today. Oh, there's so much reality to this story, I can't believe. I can't believe all the excuses that can come up. Excuses even in the context of the revelation of what we're talking about being seated in heavenly places. Like, that's too hard. I don't know how to do it. What, what exactly is that? Come on, can you explain to us what that means? Just explain it. Seat in heavenly How do we get into the seats of the heavenly places? How do we do that? You know, I know I got my body here, you know. All that. I know that. I know my body's here. But how can I be dwelling in the heavenly places at the same time? Explain it to us. By faith. Caleb and Joshua said they could take the land. And by faith they would have if the rest of Israel hadn't held them back. And by faith they did after all the old doubters died off. I have a feeling today, I don't know why I'm sounding like I'm sounding kind of southern today. I feel like I got a little southern twang. I must have been that Texas that showed up. I suggest that they God told Moses my servant Caleb has a different spirit and I suggest that that different spirit and and I want you to understand God did not say he was the only one that had a spirit he didn't say well Caleb has a spirit he said Caleb has a different Spirit, which means the rest of Israel had a spirit too, but it was a villain spirit, not a spirit filled with faith. Wow, this is a good message. I'm I'm being encouraged. Don't you think it's rather odd that the, the believers of that day wanted to stone them because they felt like they could actually do what God had promised? Does anyone think that odd? I think that's really odd. And it tells me that there's a place that believers can go that are far away from their identity that they have in Christ. And I'm just saying, we are called to live in harmony with one another, live in love with one another, uh, if somebody else has a, uh, another type of revelation that's different than this revelation, I'm not opposed to that person. I, they shouldn't be opposed to me. It's just that simple. It's like God reveals to us as individuals different things. But the faith, the spirit of faith that Caleb and Joshua had was that faith that says, we can do this. This can be done. Even though it defies everything that looks like the natural is against it. We can do this. Now there is a mind that thinks earthly and majors in temporal thoughts. And there is a mind that thinks eternal and sees heaven perspective. And if we are going to receive heaven's assignments... For our life here on this earth. And I have a word for some of you. It's not over yet. It's not over for you. God is just beginning. 
we are going to see the glory of the Lord in the land of the living. It is going to happen as sure as anything. But it's going to happen when the church, it's going to happen when the people of God put their doubt aside and grab a hold of the spirit of faith that says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And it's going to happen when the church and believers get their head out of the world's information, out of earthly information, and do collect like Colossians says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you shall also appear with him in glory. Isn't that great? Thank you. I feel the love. I feel the love. Listen, Father, here we are today on this Sunday morning, and we just thank you that you are so amazing and so great, and you are so powerful, and that your children are heroes. Your people are heroes, Lord. They are super heroes. Even though we don't feel like it most of the time, and even though we might not even look like it, by faith, we can do all things because you are strengthening us to do all things. And I want to thank you, Lord, that just like the superheroes in the comic books, though a villain looks like he might be winning, we're going to clobber the snot out of that thing. He's not going to stand a chance to stand against your people. Because your people are mighty and powerful and are seeking things that are above instead of the things that are on the earth. Just as simply as we are standing here, we receive our seat with you. In the heavenly places, we receive it. We receive it, Lord. We believe it. We receive it. And we're filled with hope and expectation of great things to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit faithworship.org.